0: The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a Sports Drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And we're here, are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWald.
1: Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I am your host, Steve DeWald, as always. And I'm joined by Brian Wilcox. Brian, how are you doing tonight?
2: Pretty good, buddy. Um, I've, I've mentally recovered from the beat down. i I watched on Tuesday or yeah. Wednesday, whatever, thir- Thursday here in Denver when, mm-hmm. when uh, the boys came to town. No Simons. He was out for personal reasons. I believe he was attending a funeral, but um, I was kind of too bad to miss him play. I was really the uh, shining light that I was really looking yeah. forward to. But uh, yeah, man, you know, I'm doing I, all right.
1: I think it really speaks to this podcast where we, uh, we get excited about tanking and the Blazers win four out of five games since since we really kind of started talking about this and then the one game that you go see in person is the one game they lose and anthony simons doesn't play so
2: classic classic blazers man.
1: Uh, shout out to to my brother who made it out to dc over this last weekend got to see them play a a really awesome game against the wizards so 115 110 win uh anthony simons just an electric first half which we're going to talk a lot about anthony simons surprise surprise again on this show Mm -hmm. um so before we kind of get into that, I guess the, the news uh, of the last couple games outside of the wins, which we'll talk a little bit about, is uh, C.J. McCollum uh, is a father of a beautiful baby. And he has rejoined the team after a 17-game absence. So he's back with the team. He suited up against Orlando, uh, a 98-88 victory. Uh, C.J., you know, play, played a good portion of the game uh dropped 16 points definitely finding his rhythm but definitely some cj stuff out there some some of his typical moves he likes to go to um obviously it's gonna take a little while to get up to speed but you know (laughs) this team you know we talk about tanking and some of the pieces are coming together and now we get to see anthony simons next to uh, another you know ball driven guard uh in cj mccollum and we'll kind of see how it works out. So Brian, uh, what did you make uh, of CJ being back and and what it means for this team potentially in the immediate future?
2: I was pretty surprised at how well he played coming out. You know, that's a pretty extended absence and with all the COVID stuff going on, you kind of wonder how often he's really able to get in the gym and be around his teammates and obviously the birth of his of his child. So he's away from the team, right? But You know, CJ's a hooper. Just came back and, you know, 16 on 13 shots, peppered in some boards, assists, and steals. Thought he's moving pretty well. I think, you know, a lot of the times when guys come back off an injury, extended absence like that, it's almost not the finished box score that matters, but just kind of the process and how they're moving and stuff. And I thought he looked good, man. So it will be really interesting to see what that backcourt looks like with with Ant and CJ moving forward. Um, Hopefully Ant continues to you know, be able to do what he's shown he's quite capable of doing here the last month or so. But, you know, CJ's going to take some touches away. So I'm I'm curious, even how Chauncey handles their minutes and just sort of what that rotation looks like as well.
1: Yeah, there, there's a couple of things as far as, like, what CJ did when he comes back. I think what's important to remember is not only was it just a typical injury absence where he's coming back to a roster he's familiar with. I mean, he's coming back to a Blazers team that looks drastically different than when mm-hmm. he left. I mean, no CJ, no Norm. Uh, some change over at the power forward position since he's been there. And then, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, which I want to talk about about a little bit a little later, uh, Mm -hmm. is playing great right now. Um, So it is impressive. I mean, 16 points doesn't blow you away, but it is impressive for him to come back and find some form of rhythm around these type of players. Um, As far as looking forward, the thing I'm really interested in seeing is if the Blazers can still... Play point of attack defense with CJ on the floor. And and it's something we've seen them have success with, with Norm and Ant and Ant and some of these other pairings, where, you know, they're getting after it. There's a lot of athleticism Mm -hmm. on the perimeter at the guard spot, and it's making Nurk's job easy. It's making Robert Covington's job easier. So, can that continue with CJ back? Are we going to finally see? some of these tenets of defense that Chauncey Billups and Roy Rogers talked a lot about coming into the season. And we've heard consistently, you know, effort, consistency, accountability, like, are we going to see that now that, you know, some of these, you know, the top salary guys are back in the roster and also a guy that's really not known for his defense in CJ McCollum. So I think it's going to be a really kind of uh, you know, is this fool's gold that we saw in the last couple of weeks or is, or is this something that,
2: we can see building going forward from the coaching staff and scheme wise. Yeah, that's a great point about the defense. I think defense was crucial in four of those, you know, the four wins they got out of the last five games. And granted, the Kings and and Magic aren't, you know, offensive uh, flamethrowers by any means, but still holding them to, you know, that Magic Team 88 or whatever it was is, is definitely a. Anytime you can hold an NBA team under 90, mm-hmm. you're doing something right. So, and you see it just on a possession to possession basis, there's been a huge improvement. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so let's let's talk a little Anthony Simons. Um, Ant misses a game, obviously uh, attending a funeral for his grandfather. This uh, mm. is the the same passing where, you know, Ant comes out and has 43 games right after his passing. So kind of closing the chapter a little bit on that story for the season. Um, kid still looks electric. I mean, it looks like he's definitely taken a step, and it looks like that step is here to stay. I mean, after this little stretch, there's no doubt in my mind he's at the top of the scouting report. I mean, midseason scouting reports are definitely not built the same as a postseason scouting report, but they still exist. Um, and, and he's getting the job done. I mean, only 13 points against the Magic, but, you know, again, seven assists, uh, still able to make an impact when he's not shooting well from beyond the arc. I mean, 0 for 5 game, seven assists, only two turnovers, still found a way to generate 13 points. Uh, five for five from the free throw line. That's, I mean, it's not stuff that blows you away, but that's the type of stuff you need to see from a guard like Anthony Simons. Like, is he still able to impact the game in a positive way when he's not getting to his spots? This is what we were talking about last week. Again, we're seeing that. Those are, I think those are almost as big of signs of growth as a 30 point game sometimes. Like, and that sounds weird, but I think it's in, like, like I said, it's really crucial as players begin to take the next step Teams try to take things away and get you out of your rhythm. You're still able to make a positive impact. You don't crater. You don't drag your team down. And he's really done. He, he's at least showing that
2: he has that foundation. Brian, what do you think? I completely agree. I mean, he looked comfortable out there. I think a couple of those threes drop. He's two for five. All of a sudden, it's a 19 point, seven assist game in his first game. You know, next to CJ, who's been out for a while. So, I, I, I just totally agree. You're gonna have off nights and and finding ways to play meaningful minutes when when the ball's not always going through the net like you like Mm -hmm. is, is
3: critical. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. and
4: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really impressive when you're looking at it from like an efficiency, overall efficiency standpoint in the month of January alone. So seven games. But in two of those games, we're talking an old for 5 night and then also a, a 2 for 8 night and a two-for-11 night, and he's still able on the month to be shooting well above 40% from beyond the arc. I think that's impressive just from the from an overall volume standpoint and an overall accuracy standpoint. Like, he's getting the job done. He's getting to his spots. Also, you know, a considerable uptick in free throw shots. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's more than doubled his output from December. Um, or, yeah, more than doubled. My math. You want to do quick math with Steve <laughs> on the Church of Roy podcast, but um, yeah, I, I mean he's doing he's doing those veteran scoring things, which brings me into the next player I want to talk about because I have a theory here about oh, yeah. you about Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic is at his best as a pick and roll partner with a point guard who is a multi dimensional threat that can get downhill, get to the line. Uh, really make defenses respect him on all three levels. I love Damian Lillard. I think we can all agree that he really struggled with some of the physical contact, some of the rule changes, and then obviously dealing with an injury that required a lengthy surgery this year. So, yeah, is Nurk a lot of his output tied to his own personal, you know, attitude, output, consistency? Absolutely. But he is definitely – I think he's back in his comfort zone. I don't think it's any coincidence – that he's paired up again with a pick-and-roll partner who is a dynamic player on all three levels right now, or is certainly playing that way in Anthony Simons. So that's my quick relationship, I think, that might be driving some of this NERC output. What Mm -hmm. are you
2: seeing from Yusuf Nurkic? You know, that's interesting. I think you could argue that just about every center in the league would benefit playing next to a top flight dynamic yeah. three-level score. Hey, you know what makes yeah. it easy to be in a pick and roll having a really good point guard. So there's yeah,
1: hey, hire me, Blazers. I'm available. Yeah. So
2: no, I'd All agree, right. man. I mean, his, his scoring's uptick this this month with Dame out. He's he's almost to 17 points. And even I do think that when Nurkic is engaged offensively, he's better defensively too, and on the boards. He's 17-13 mm-hmm. with for assists. and You told me coming into the year that he was going to go 17, 13, and four. And you're pretty damn happy with that, right? And granted, it's only been a month, but he's looking a lot better. I do think that his defensive contributions have, have still been muted. and But frankly, I would attribute that more to the scheme <laughs> than any of his personal shortcomings. But, you know, something that's kind of fallen by the wayside this year with Nurk, too, is He's hitting almost 58% on two-pointers, which is by far a career high. And Mm -hmm. so some of those, you know, little flip shots that drove Rip City crazy, I think he's curtailed that a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think his play has kind of gone under the radar a little bit. It's certainly improved this month, but he's having a strong season overall. Um, Maybe contract NERC actually is here, but it's just (laughs) kind of been hidden behind all the other bullshit that's been going on between injuries, COVID, and general franchise upheaval, we haven't been able to really focus on him and what he's done this year so you know kudos to Nurk. he's he's been playing extremely well
1: i mean as much as you talk about i mean i think there is a scheme thing for defense and i think it's it's tough for him to adapt to that but offensively like you said his efficiency some of those head scratching things have, have really kind of gone by the wayside and it's really when you're thinking about the impact of the coaching staff, it's very similar to the bump that we saw Zubach go through with the Clippers. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing Nurk kind of get that same, you know, very deliberate style of like a classic center down around the basket. And he's getting coaxed into these shots where we are seeing some of those flip shots disappear. We're seeing more of that Mm -hmm. Zubach like offense, which Nurk is just as talented, if not more talented, especially when he's dialed in on the offensive end. So, um, Kind of interesting to see, interesting to see if it can continue for the rest of this season. Um, before we jump into some fun trade stuff, I do want to talk about, you know, like we mentioned, they've won the Blazers have won four out of five. It's kind of changing how they're looking in the standings, and especially when you look at the schedule in the next four games, um, how it goes. So basically, as we record right now, the Blazers have crawled back in to the play in field. They are the 10 in the 10 spot now, but They, they own the tiebreaker against the the Kings as a standing sit right now. So they are above them. Um, You know, if if this, I, we were talking before the show, if the last five games go a little differently, um, you know, they're down there with the Pelicans, but they're not They're They're right there in that playing field and and only four wins away from those nuggets that blew them out the other day, but four games Mm -hmm. away from even getting out of the playing field. So, you know, CJ's back what are, are tanking dreams dying Brian or, or is this season just too crazy to to go even look two weeks ahead
2: I'm about at the latter Steve I don't know what the hell's gonna happen <laughs> with this team I think just as soon as you think oh this makes a lot of sense portal lose a bunch of games secure their pick mm-hmm. reload now nah, they're gonna rip out four or five so I don't know I think these next you know we keep saying that oh this would be an interesting test this be an interesting test they all really have been, but this next kind of five-game stretch, yeah, it's Heat, Celtics, Raptors, T-Wolves, Mavs. And so a lot of teams that are kind of in the same zone as us. You have the Heat are always a tough out. The Celtics, who are essentially the East Coast version of the Trailblazers right now, the underachieving with a squad that, you know, a couple really high-quality players. So I don't know, man. It'll, it'll be interesting. I think that Ant's done enough. Lately that it makes you wonder if a full tanks, even feasible CJ coming back, if he can regain his form and then Nurk, that's a pretty solid, you know, stool to, to lean on right now is those three guys. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be enough to move into, you know, that seventh or eighth spot, but I don't think, I think those guys are going to keep us out of a bottom five spot in in the Western conference.
1: So, so what it kind of wor- what worries me about the situation, what makes me think of is, you know, we've seen these Dame like teams have really slow starts to the year and they have these big runs. And they get back in the, in the playoff race and like after a disappointing start to the season, when they kind of get things going, it's like being on a roller coaster at six flags and it's the click, 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 you're going up, you're going up. And then there's a lot of tension and is this the right direction? And then you get to the top mm-hmm. and you ride this ride down. It's super enjoyable. What I'm afraid of now with this team, after we've been here, we've seen a couple first round exits that are really painful after this team kind of just guts it out and gets there. I feel more like we're at the Umatilla County fair and we're on a, we're on a roller coaster. It's been built by like carnies who are doing like gas station (laughs) meth and drinking black velvet for like three weeks straight. So, so like we're, we're going up there and I'm like, oh, great, this is how I get stuck upside down for two hours in the screen (laughs) machine. So, like, that's what I'm a little worried about with this team and where it's going. So, you know it's right right now it's hard for me to get excited about this team winning like i feel like it's just going to put us in purgatory which akin Mm -hmm. to being upside down on the screen machine for a couple
2: hours is that might be a little literally hell we'll (laughs) we'll call we use a purgatory analogy
1: i mean don't judge how we spent our summers but you know
2: (laughs) like that's what it reminds
1: me of and really you haven't lived until you've you know bought the unlimited ride wristband and go into a carnival just fueled by black velvet and bad decisions but um <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah to,
2: to build on that point uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know where you want to go with that but
2: no the blazers i mean for years have been that team that always performs better when their backs are against the wall i think that part of the coaching change was to try to change that culture and guess what nothing's changed and mm-hmm. here's portland as their nose diving towards the bottom of the western conference pull a few games out and Right back in the mix, and you know, we should have seen this coming. We really <laughs> yeah. should have.
1: Yep, yep. You know, shame on us at this point. Yeah, so, we
2: we act like we've been here before. This has only happened for yeah. years and years of the Lillard era. So
1: so when you look at the schedule now, I'll try to get back on track. I, I promise that is my last uh, uh carnival ride oh, analogy for a while, but um, you know, the next four games are super interesting because I think we both agree they're kind of teams that are in the same tier as the Blazers right now. So if the Blazers mm-hmm. can finish this run you know maybe three and one i think it's a really good sign that maybe this is sustainable that this team is going in the right direction they're beating teams they kind of should beat not just beating up on the really bad teams um so they got miami boston toronto minnesota and dallas and i I guess kind of cross miami out of there i'm more interested in the four games after miami um boston toronto minnesota dallas these are all teams that are right in that play in range i mean dallas is a little clear of it right now i believe But um, Yeah. yeah. So really, I mean, Boston, the, the, as you coined them, the, the Blazers of the East. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you really want to see a positive result against these four teams. I mean, it's half at home, half on the road. Um, I think we're gonna have a good feel over these next four games. What do you want to see out of these next four or five games that are going to make you feel like maybe we're trending in a direction of sustainability or is it still even going to be way too soon to tell after these games?
2: Are you asking me if it's a, <laughs> a, a sust- sustainability winning or sustainability yeah. to getting the lottery pick? I mean, um, I think, I think we can go either direction there, you know, really so. sure. Uh, let's say if things are going well f- from a wins and losses perspective in the wins column, I think it's going to be a pretty seamless. You hit on it earlier with CJ and, and Ant uh, playing together and how CJ impacts the defense. I think that's going to be huge. I think it's going to be, Nurkic's continued play and health is major. Um, mm-hmm. And then Simon's continuing just to, you know, like fire to the nets. And yeah. and I don't know. And don't forget about Nas and also Roko is definitely, been he continues to look much better. You know, I think his shooting's cooled off a little bit, but he's really been hitting the boards well and just seems more active defensively. So, you know, I think it's kind of all those things that have led us to winning four out of five, mostly the defense that... They'll have to continue to do or else you'll see that slide back down the standings pretty quickly.
0: Hey guys, it's Perry here to tell you all about the new app we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Spotify Green Green Room is a live audio only sports talk platform that's free to download and super easy to use. You can start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. You can even talk to insiders, athletes, and even executives in real time. All you got to do is download the free Spotify Green Room app on your app store. And the Church of Roy will be there every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific.
1: I think it, when you're talking defense, and you mentioned him, something we didn't we haven't talked about yet. The show is Nasir Little um, gets a shout out from Basketball Index. They kind of they're mm-hmm. they're a cool site that kind of goes through grades players by certain play types and levels of efficiency and opponents' lack of efficiency when they're facing them. So uh, Nasir Little finished inside the top ten as far as players graded for uh, chasing players down off screens, which is something that the Blazers like looked for for years when they're playing Mm -hmm. with a a dame and cj backcourt so kind of neat to see him in that situation and getting recognized playing in a system that is benefiting him and i think you're absolutely right about robert covington i mean the defense has been good it's allowed him to get into his comfort zone Uh, i mean just as much as nurk if not more has allowed him to really get his his footing this season and is playing really well um it's tough not to mention it when you're talking about Nurk and Rocco and even Nasir Little and let's face it, Anthony Simons. Um, I, I think these next few games are important, but I think what this team looks like after the first Joe Cronin led uh, trade deadline is going to be uh, extremely interesting. So two names mm-hmm. that we've really heard a lot about and, and won a whole lot in the last week. First guy we want to talk about is Miles Turner, uh, Pacer center. Uh, out right now with a, a stress reaction in his left foot. Um, so nothing goes better than
2: Blazers and big guys with foot <laughs> injuries, but um, yeah, the rumors started and his foot yeah. started acting up. Yeah. Just any, any, uh, any, anybody touched by Portland who's mm-hmm. over you know about seven feet tall, watch so, out.
1: So the Blazers are mentioned as one of the teams that are interested, along with the Mavericks, the Timberwolves, the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Hornets. And this is coming from Michael Scoto of Hoops Hype uh basically they're saying that the pacers are looking they're asking price right now and this is kind of came out before the injury news so this could be a little deflated but i don't think by much um they're seeking two first round picks or a promising young player and a first round pick um for miles turner there's a couple guys that obviously fit the bill here but i mean the elephant in the room here for the blazers as it has been you know all this season when we talk about trades is they owe their first round pick to the bulls it is lottery protected so that pick will not be conveyed to the bulls until the blazers um miss the play or make the playoffs um so Mm -hmm. if they make the playoffs this year the pick goes out but they can't trade that pick until unless they come to an agreement with the bulls i believe or it gets past 2028 and and then the pick is conveyed so that's just a non-starter for the Blazers. They can't put that in a trade unless they acquire one in a secondary trade, which is totally possible. Correct. So um, I I don't know. I think young player-wise, I mean, obviously, Mister Little is a guy we've talked a lot about. Um, also, uh, uh, An- uh, Anthony Simons, obviously. But man, I think Anthony Simons might be worth those two first-round picks, which I think is, is interesting right now. I mean, I'm just hyping him up. Um, <laughs> like but uh, salary-wise, Miles Turner is eighteen million dollars per year. So, I mean, you're going to have to look at some combination of salaries here, as far as you know. Yusuf Nurkic is obviously a piece that could work here, along with a little something else. He makes ten million. Uh, Robert Covington's right there in that same range. So, I mean, putting those guys together potentially and coming together with with a salary that. I don't think it's any secret that the Pacers definitely want to be far and away and clear of the luxury tax, especially with this team and the struggles they've gone through this season. Um, What do you make of Miles Turner as far as a trade target? And and then talk a little bit about potentially what you see him as a fit with the Blazers.
2: You know, for that asking price, I I really don't like it at all. I mean, he's about $18 a year. He only has one more year left on his deal. If you're assuming we're basically punting this year – because Dame's out, which is kind of where we are. Maybe not completely punting, but I don't think he's the piece that's going to take you over the top this year with the late Dame edition. You know what I mean? So you're basically giving up whatever it takes. So it's two first-rounders and a young piece, some sort of thing you can finagle, getting a first-rounder, moving, Simons, who knows. You're doing all that just to have him for one more year, and then you're looking at him going to uh, unrestricted free agency. And he's only two years younger than Nurk. Um, the fact that you have Nurk on this team and I think that Nurk has taken a lot of criticism even from us over <laughs> certain stretches of play but I'd rather just roll with Nurk again even if you know he's he's on a very team-friendly deal at 12 that's especially with the clutch in the mix that's certainly going to go up and you know maybe they get him to a, a situation that they prefer right but mm-hmm. I just think that the if he had three years left on on his deal, I think it's a different conversation, but the only one year left on his deal and that asking price, I I think I'm out as far as a fit. I think he'd be great from his ability to stretch the floor. I think he would also struggle defensively, similar to how Nurkic has. He's a little more mobile um, guarding the perimeter, but he's still at his best near the basket. He leads the league in blocks for a reason. And so that's not by, you know, crazy chase down blocks and shit like that. It's from being down low and, and being tall. <laughs> so um, I think offensively, yeah, he's better fit. Defensively, some same, same, similar fit issues and at that price. It's going to be a no for me, dog.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is a hefty asking price, especially with the injury, which I would assume that the asking price comes down. Sure, um, sure. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, he makes his bread and butter. Being around the the rim, getting to those blocks, yes, he is a mobile defender. In theory, he can guard, you know, serviceably you know, three through five, one through five on switches, but you know, you want him by the rim and he gets those blocks a lot of the time because, you know, I love DeMontis Sabonis, but he does get a lot of blocks because (laughs) Sabonis is not necessarily like this defensive powerhouse. He's picking up a lot of, you know, weak side blocks and he's down there around the rim, really kind of cleaning things up Um, as a floor spacer. I mean, yes, you know, this year taking 4.4, three pointers per game, same as last year hitting in the low 30s which you know is still good compared i mean when you think of like nurk kind of expanding his range i mean it's nowhere close Mm -hmm. to what miles turner can do so i mean at least some teams have to at least pay a little bit of attention to him on the outside um like you said only one year left and then we're playing this game again where you you'll have his bird rights and you'll be able to give him a little more but at 20 he'll be 26 or 27 at that time when you're talking about negotiations like Mm-hmm. Are you really going to be in a position to really know what you want to do there? Um, it is a hefty asking price a- and leads me into my, my next player. I want to talk about is Jeremy Grant player. We talk about a lot and I just think Jeremy Grant is more in line as far as where his prime is with Damian Lillard. I think Jer- a player like Jeremy Grant is a lot harder to find and a lot more meaningful when he's playing at his best than miles. Turner. I, think, I think you can go find a good center in this mm-hmm. league you can find a big man that does some of the things that Miles Turner does. I don't know if you can find a lot of players that that can do what Jeremy Grant can do when Jeremy Grant's playing at his best. Um and, and obviously when he's in this system with the Blazers some of the offensive stuff kind of gets tossed to the wayside here because he's not going to be the super high volume shooter scorer when Dame and CJ are playing or assuming CJ's here if the trade goes down, but I also think just as a natural trade, I think Anthony Simons is still super interesting for the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if I was building a, a young backcourt in a lab, I think Anthony Simons, Cade Cunningham is among Ooh. one of those top pairings that I would really like to see if they can grow together. Um, now, I'd, obviously I obviously don't want to see Ant go anywhere, but I think that's a super interesting destination for him. Um the last thing I want to say about Grant before I kick it over to you is Grant is kind of in that same field that Norman Powell was last year. It feels like Uh, a lot of the rumors going into that trade deadline. And even after was there was over a dozen teams after uh, Mm -hmm. Norman Powell. It definitely feels like that's the same thing for Jeremy Grant who is over his thumb injury is what it sounds like. It's, he's been cleared for basketball activities. And I mean, that's not him suiting up, but he's back on the floor. He's doing stuff. So it might be a tough ask to ask Joe Cronin to go out in his first year as a you know fully functional GM to go beat out a dozen teams for like the most coveted asset. But, man, I, I really like the idea of Jeremy Graham with this team. So, Brian, what do you think?
2: 100%. I think he's an ideal fit for this team. I think you'd like to see – he's only shooting 33% from three this year as well, You know, similar to Turner – So you'd like to see that tick up a bit, but he does so many other things well, right? And so he's obviously a great fit, but he's a great fit for a dozen-plus other (laughs) teams. You could probably argue about every team in this league could use a Jeremy Grant. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, again, he's another guy that only has a year left on his deal. If Portland's fifth in the West, fourth in the West right now, I think maybe there's a little more uh, of a catalyst to go out there and get this get this deal done um, thinking you're, you're going to be, you know, clawing your way into the bottom uh, to get, even get in the playoffs and and making a huge investment in grants kind of tough probably with only that real one year that you're going to get them to make a a, a big run, fully healthy with Dame. But, you know, to your point that Simon's Cunningham backcourt would be nice. And so whether, uh, you know, that that potential fit really entices the Pistons and, and uh, makes makes that asking price a little more reasonable, something to keep an eye on. And I don't know. I, I I have a hard time seeing Portland with the first-round pick, Conundrum too, really swinging this thing when there's going to be so much competition.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that said, I do think Anthony Simons is one of the better trade assets that could potentially put on the table in a discussion like this. Um, yep. As far as, you know, especially I think when you have a player like Cade and, you know, on that team with Isaiah Stewart as well, um yes they're young and their best years are clearly ahead of them but putting a competitive talented roster around them now takes the pressure off a little bit because you're building something you're looking at a team that could potentially make the playoffs in the east or or certainly make the play-in field um Mm -hmm. you know you you avoid that zion situation in new orleans um you start building a good team there and i think anthony simons is like that perfect mold and and as far as age talent and what you get back i mean granted you're gonna have to pay him this offseason but you know i I can't see him making much more than what jeremy grant's making right now so
2: um yeah by the way i didn't come here just to shit on every trade idea i'm just pointing out some of the you know some of the kind of snags and hang-ups and and just a lot of it's just due to how this season's gone right Mm and the length left on some of these guys' deals and what it would truly take to bring them in. Yeah,
1: and I think as far as the Pacers go, one thing I don't want to understate as far as Joe Cronin goes is he does have a relationship with people in that front office. Um, all, a lot of former Blazers, a lot of people that overlapped mm-hmm. with Joe Cronin's long tenure with, with the Portland Trail Blazers. So as far as just talking to, to another team, they're kind of interesting. And, I mean, if you if you want to – Really, just bank on you know one year of Miles Turner fully healthy next to one year of Damian Lillard fully healthy, and you get a lottery pick this year. Miles um, Turner might be your guy because you know he. Who knows how long he's going to be out? And obviously, if it is a foot fracture or, or a foot injury that that requires some time, the Blazers are in a position to to be incredibly patient here. So, mm-hmm. um, at least for this season, <laughs> that, that that changes immediately in the off season, but. Um, As far as trades go, I wouldn't put it past here to, to where we learn uh, how Joe Cronin likes to operate. And we might see some players and, and some teams that we're not even thinking of yet. Like, I mean, uh, just think okay. back to, to those early, well, Shea years or anytime you get a new GM, you're going to probably learn something new. But it certainly sounds like th- there have been some, I think, beyond preliminary discussions with the Pacers, is at least what it feels like. I mean, that's kind of what Brian Windhorst uh, hinted at when he
2: was on some local radio shows here in Portland in the last week. So, um, with uh, you know, in, with Cronin, the fact that he hired an assistant general manager about five days ago, Andre Patterson, that kind of leads you to believe that he might have a little more, you know, power to make some moves too. That it, it might be trading those young guys or mortgaging future assets if you can find a way to do that, but. Yeah, you know, I thought that was a big hire and, and big news for Cronin. That certainly bodes well for his future. I don't think he's a lock by any means, but you know that that was his hire and his guy and filling kind of filling his old spots. Huge.
1: Yeah, it definitely looks like a, a sign of faith uh, for the Blazers mm-hmm. as far as what he's he's doing moving forward. Um, that's about it. I mean, I think we're gonna we're gonna get some more trade talk heating up in the in the next couple of weeks. Obviously. Um, the Blazers trajectory for the rest of the season could come into clearer focus. Like I said, with those four or five games coming up, Um, you know, if they keep winning like this, I mean, they're going to be right back in it now. I don't think they're going to keep winning like this exact. I don't think you're going to win four out of five or eight out of 10 games, but I think they're, they're going to be above 500 probably if this team keeps playing this way. And if they could sustain that for long enough, you know, you're talking about a team that, Maybe you bring Dane back at the end of the year for the playoffs and see what he looks like in the postseason and answer some questions. But also you could go in a way yeah. where you're going to see a few new starters on this team here in the <laughs> real near future. So it's definitely like a weird, crazy time to be a Blazers fan, as it has been for the last six months.
2: So, Indeed. Man, I will tell you what, that Nuggets game, I just want—I just had to throw <laughs> this one out there. I didn't talk yeah. much about it. But when I saw Kelgen Blevins checking in the first quarter – I was just like, oh shit, <laughs> this, is <gonna> get, <laughs> this is gonna get weird and hurry. And yep. it sure did. Yep. Shout yeah. Shout to Nurkic. He played, you know, he was in there. At least the squad was somewhat competitive. As soon as he left the floor, it was a bloodbath. So, yeah.
1: I think there was, a, I think that was the game where there was kind of a cool moment with him and a, a young fan who was also named Yusuf after the game. There were some pictures after that, him taking some pictures with a fan that brought a sign to a game, you know, enemy territory being in Denver. So, um, you know, I'm hoping for the best for Nurk. I mean, hopefully it is with the Blazers and continues to put up great numbers here, but if he does end up in a different situation, I I hope it's a good one. And I I hope he's able to springboard into a a fruitful off season for him. Um, That's it for this week's show. Um, We want to hear your trade questions or what you think of the trade talk we had. What do you think? Do you like Jeremy Grant more than than Miles Turner or the other way around? Or is it neither of them for you? So uh, get at us on Twitter, uh, Churchill Roy pod. Um, also in the comment section of this blazers edge post would be awesome. So that's all I got this week, Brian, anything before we go?
2: I don't. And uh, all it's going to take is a couple more wins. Then I'm fully on the play- playoff bandwagon. So <laughs> yep. keep it, yep. keeping out for my mood right now. Cause it's been all over the place in this team lately.
1: If there's anything I like, I like playoff runs and black velvet and cheap <laughs> carnival rides. My friend. So hang it upside down. Yep. That's it people. We'll see you next time. Nah, man. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast.
0: If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy pod. And be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday bright and
4: early at 8 a.m. Pacific.